0: Hey everybody, I'm Brooke and I sobered up August 2nd, 2016. Hi friends, I'm Suzanne and I sobered up December 19th, 1991. Together we got a lot of recovery and we host Seek Purpose, the podcast. Seek Purpose is a community that supports recovery, healing, and spiritual growth.
1: We believe that sharing our stories can greatly impact our communities and collective action can impact
0: the world. So stop scrolling and start listening, will you? This is so exciting. Yeah, it is kind of nerve wracking, though. Like we just started this, like we said, a year ago. And
2: yeah, I was like, whoa, (laughs) we're going to go live. (laughs) <laughs> what's that gonna look like <laughs> it's, it's better right I, I yeah. know when we started doing our stuff we were doing pre-recorded and the, there's too much judgment there's too it's too critical We're yeah. too yeah. critical and we were cutting out stuff and then we just started going live and like the engagement was really high and it was like really good and we're like dude we're just gonna go live all the time and wing it yep. and people yeah. get to know your personality and see your quirky side and like that's what people fall totally. in love with
0: yeah, yep. that's exactly, that's, and that's what I, I love about TikTok, too. Actually, I showed my yeah. son's, I just told her, <laughs> oh my God. I did what I did with my husband about- uh, about being horny and my and wanting his d and i showed my kids after dinner last night they're like "Mom, oh my, oh my god. god
2: oh i have to it look Well, yeah, you're popping was... up on my page a lot brooke and those hands girl me. <laughs> like way. i can't believe not one of those have gone viral you have to <laughs> i swear you have like viral worthy content oh yeah. thank you you do i'm like what is this like 500 views like what you have to repost that yeah especially with your son you're like oh it's like so sweet and it's like jk like here's like a baby hand like all over the place (laughs) all
0: right i don't even know if we're live right now are we (laughs)
1: we might be oh god Um, are we live with
0: me just sharing that little thing oh we are live (laughs) are we live with me just sharing that okay we're about one of your husbands d (laughs) no are you serious oh I'm sorry it kids like it. let I... me
1: see oh this is awesome okay this is what happens okay this is, this is the, what happens the so beauty we've been... and the curse <laughs> of made... going live
0: oh. okay <laughs> um, okay let's
1: just make sure that this is working are we live now I think so okay well welcome to
0: seek purpose <laughs> <laughs> I'm Suzanne I'm Brooke and I'm... this is uh take two <laughs> this is this is this is take this is take two and uh Lolita's here. That's how you say your name, right? Lolita? Yes. No, it's perfect. Yes. Oh, it's so pretty. I love it. It's Indian.
2: Uh, oh, oh, really? Wow. That's a Hare Krishna. Oh, no way!
0: Wow, that's awesome. So pretty. What does it mean?
2: Um, I don't know. Like <laughs> or something like that. It's it's very basic. It's like <laughs> a very basic. Yeah, it's like a very basic, like l- like light of the room or something like that. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to well, say
1: something that so- is going to sound extremely white, but I've watched your stories on Instagram and, and on uh, TikTok, and I just need to know, what is a baddie? <laughs> what oh does that God.
2: mean? <laughs> so a baddie is just like a bay, you know? Like, oh, okay. Like a baddie, like a dime. Oh,
1: I like it. Like I a badass.
2: Oh, I love like it. A- like a hottie toddy badass.
1: Ball. They saw you're like sharing and it's like, if if you like our stuff, you must be a baddie. And I'm like, am I a baddie? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like it. I want to be a baddie. Oh my <laughs> I'm thinking about making shirts that say baddie. You oh, have to. I have yeah. to, right? Yeah, you absolutely, absolutely have
0: to.
1: Absolutely. Sober baddie. Sober baddie. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. That's going to be killer. <laughs> I want one. I can't wait for my shirt to come. I just ordered actually I the one know. you're wearing.
0: Yeah. I like it,
1: anonymous. anonymous.
0: I that's the one I yeah that's the one I saw too. I like it's it. Good, right? I that's like so it good. a lot.
2: You got a I'm, lot of incredible how can stuff. I I'm, make it really anonymous. I'm like, oh, let me just put shapes in where letters are supposed to be. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's great. Really good.
1: That's so good. Okay, let's start this all over again. Uh, yes. We want everyone
0: to get to know your story because it is so powerful and uh, and how you're seeking purpose. Yeah. Uh, yes. finding your business and your apparel line. That's what this, that's what Seek Purpose is all about. Once you get into recovery, now what the hell, right? Yeah. right. So this is really um, having guests like yourself come on and sharing your journey of where you were and what happened and, and uh, how you're finding your purpose today. So okay, beautiful. We, we okay. want you to start Let's from start. the top
2: again, yeah. All right, I'll start from the top. Okay, so Lalita, I'm a recovering addict and um, I'm a Florida native and i am the oldest of three siblings two sisters and i come from a family of addiction and mental illness depression um bipolar and suicide is in my family as well and i think it's important to share that because it's like you know that that um what's the word i'm looking for not environmental it's that blank my mind is blank no it's the Jeanette it's the predisposition. Oh yeah. The generational trauma that yes, kind of the generation. generation. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. goes back for generations. Like my grandmother's parents both committed suicide wow. within a year of each other. Right. So my grandmother was totally traumatized from that. Um, and, and all that type of sort of stuff. My mother attempted suicide on mother's day, but that's later. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, so, like I was saying, up and from birth till about age nine, you know, from what I can recall, my memories, my life was what we would call normal, you no know, real trauma, none of that stuff. Um, and when I was nine, my stepfather tried to kill us all. And, um, from there and the memory of that you know my sister and I have so I was about no no I was seven because my youngest sister and I are seven years apart and she was just maybe maybe one maybe not even one she was not even walking yet and um, I remember I woke up and my mother wasn't there And my stepdad was in the living room crying. I'd never seen a man cry before, so I was a little traumatized by that. I was like, what's going on? It made me feel really uncomfortable. And um, he told us he was gonna kill us and bury us in the backyard, that he already killed my mother. Well, my mother wasn't dead. My mother was out, you know? And later on in life, I had a conversation with my mom and she told me there was a lot of domestic abuse going on um, when we were sleeping, like severe domestic abuse which I never witnessed with him, but I witnessed it with her boyfriend. After that, they were together until I was in my twenties. Um, and that was, I don't know if you've ever seen domestic violence, you know, um, but that's some pretty heavy shit, man. Um, watching that. And both of my sisters, you know, um, they learned to, to be with abusers and I turned into an abuser. And I think it was because I was the oldest. My dad wasn't there. So I automatically assumed that male role growing up. Um, I was taking care of my sisters, my mother, um, my mother's addiction. Now, my mom would go through these like phases where she'd be clean for like a good chunk of time. And when I say a good chunk of time, I only mean like six or nine months, okay? like. For us that like that's like a good chunk of time mm-hmm. and then she would relapse my, my mother would never worked a program and she was prescribed. Um, Valium and stuff like that and alcohol, but like what really would take her out was the, the crack. She was full blown smoking crack and she it was one of those stories like oh I'm going to the store to get milk and like bitch. Three days later, where you at? And there was no cell phones back then. You know what I mean? So uh, a lot of that abandonment issues, which I carried on with me until, you know, I really only worked through those abandonment issues when I got clean this last time. So almost four years ago, I really started working through that stuff. You know, I had anxious attachment, severe, I mean, severe anxious attachment um, issues. And it's pretty neat when you can, when you can look back on that, on those behaviors, or when you're working through, you know, doing, I, I mean, uh, can I say step work? So you're able to identify and then you can see your patterns and you go, Oh, and then it's just like, it's freeing. But when you can see those behaviors, because I was so comfortable there, you know, I was very comfortable there. I was, I always had a boyfriend or a girlfriend or something you know what i mean i couldn't be alone and it stemmed from that severe trauma so move forward um a lot of emotional pain i felt very isolated and very different in school i i know i i um i had good grades and everything until i hit about the seventh grade seventh grade for me is when i took like a real emotional I just couldn't hold it together I couldn't keep it together like I love dance I was in cheer but I could never stay in anything because of my mother's addiction mm-hmm. right so I was really kind of out of my hands and there was a lot of resentment that I had I, I I picked up the cello at 12 I was classically trained on the cello and my mother I can't it was like my only release right because I knew i didn't know at this age like what exactly was wrong with my mom but like i knew like she's not like other moms i didn't know it was drugs i just knew that like my mom is a bad mom sometimes and like she just doesn't come home you know because she never she never would bring the drugs in the house and i can see being an addict myself how you think you're doing it justice but it's like come on dude you can't you know you can't like leave your kids home for days and days you know what i mean Um, it's just what happens in addiction, right? So I remember that was like my first real outlet, and I like felt safe, and she sold my fucking cello. I came home and my cello was gone. And that for me was like the turning point. I was like, I, I turned away from God, you know. I was like, there isn't a God, like this shit is too much. I don't even know why I'm alive, and I became very suicidal in middle school very suicidal I started cutting myself and all that stuff and um, failed the seventh grade I just refused to do any schoolwork I just was I mean I had a a complete entitlement my mom is a piece of shit so the whole world owes me everything and I'm just going to be I mean I was rebellious I was like super gothic I was a bully it was you know well so there's a backstory behind that, right? So it was like, kind of like the catalyst. So my mom had lost custody for like one of the times. And I went to live with my grandfather and um, he lived like in the ghetto part of town. And so my sister and I, well, both of both of my sisters, we went to like a minority school, right? So we were, even though I'm, I'm mixed, by the way, I'm black and <laughs> white, I am, you'd never know it, but I am. My dad's black, my mom's white. Um, but we were bullied for being like, white kids like beat up and all this stuff and I was just like my little mind I was like okay like okay so this is just my life and like this is trash Mm. and um my mom got custody back she did the case she got this time she got custody back and I was just so angry I remember just being so mad I didn't want friends I didn't want associate with anyone I wore my hoodie with my with my little Walkman with my with my music in my and I was just like leave me alone like don't talk to me leave me alone and um, that was the year I met Ashley actually um how old were you I was 13 13 13 turning 14 I was in the 8th grade and I was like this super gothic like little kid and Ashley, my partner in the apparel line, she was like a cheerleader and was like super preppy and was like, (laughs) and like, we, we didn't like, you have the rule in school. We didn't talk at school, but we were neighbors and we rode the same bus and that's how we met. And so we would ride the bus together in the morning and we became like best friends and we were together all the time. And, um, as our addictions progressed, we separated over time, but, um, You know, I found drugs in about the eighth grade. um, And then it's like the typical stuff, right? Smoked weed, did this, but it was always in excess. And I remember being relieved because my mom kept sending me to the psych ward because I was cutting myself so bad. She kept sending me to the psych ward. And when I started getting high, it did the same thing as the cutting. So I stopped cutting and harming myself entirely. I was still suicidal when I wasn't high, but when I was high, I felt that I could love myself a little bit. So I think that was like the first connection for me that like, this is the solution. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'm high and I'm, I'm, I'm present right now. My mind isn't like going a million miles a minute. I don't hate myself in this moment. Like, oh, this is what I've been missing my whole life. You know, then it just progressed from there, man. And it progressed quick. Ninth grade, so we're what, a year later. The ninth grade, I had my first overdose and I went I got I, my mom marchman acted me for the first time. I've been marchman acted. Do you I don't know okay, so you guys probably don't know what that Narcan? is.
0: Is that Narcan?
2: Marchman acted. So here in Florida, if you have a loved one or someone that's addicted to drugs, you and two other people can go to the court and it's get what's called like a Marchman Act. So it's kinda like a Baker Act for drug addicts. Right. So the police will remand you and take you to detox, and then you're court ordered without any crimes to go to treatment. And if you refuse to go to treatment, then you go to fucking jail. Oh,
0: wow. What? And <laughs> yeah, that up here in Canada. Yeah. What that? When my kid went through all the, oh, <laughs> my mother would have loved to hear that with me too. Oh, shit! yeah. So
2: I know they don't offer that in all states, but here in Florida, we have a, what's called a Stuart Marchman Act. So that was like oh, my yeah. first marchman act and um I went to my first rehab at 16 and um for me I was like oh I just got I went to treatment and heard about all these other types of drugs that I'd never did before that I'm going to do <laughs> <laughs> it's back oh, damn take me back to treatment I want no more <laughs> yeah you know highly manipulative you know, so right before I was a graduate, now this was a six month treatment center, okay? And so I'm right there at the mark, man, like five months, four and a half or five months, and I was just done. I'm like, I'm all done. So I was on a furlough and I like convinced my mom had relapsed. So my mom was clean when she me this first time. She relapsed like while I was in treatment. And that was a, a game that we played through my adolescence up until my twenties is I could manipulate her with her guilt because she carries to this day she's not clean Mm -hmm. and she carries and it but it tells us that right that we're constitutionally incapable of getting honest and she is she will not face that guilt and shame from the abandonment when we were kids she just can't face it and i'm like listen dude you're an addict just it's okay like i know that you that that's not like you were doing the best that you could, like you were smoking crack, like, come on, like, what did you think was gonna happen? You know, but it's just too much for her. So I would use that to my advantage to get whatever I wanted from her. So like, Oh, I'm gonna leave treatment, I'm ready to leave treatment, this and that. I use that I didn't want to go back to school. So I dropped out, she signed the papers for me to drop out of high school. And then I just Left. I ran. I was a runaway, always getting in trouble. I had my first felony arrest shortly after that, possession of cocaine. It was just, and then I was just the cycle from 16 to 22. I was in and out of jail, in and out of treatment, in and out of psych wards, the institutions, just the whole shit, just in and out, in and out, in and out. I don't have a problem. My mom has the problem. Why are you looking at me? She's got the problem. I don't have a problem. I'm just here. It's her fault. Mm
0: -hmm. the the blame thrower I love that
2: blame thrower (laughs) she did it it's her fault you know so I played that game so um I got pregnant I got pregnant a lot during that time I had a few abortions uh, miscarriages as well and the doctor told me so this is like my god stuff coming in right so my, I had a miscarriage and the doctor told me from your abortions, you're messed up. You'll never, you'll never be able to carry to term you can conceive, but you'll never be able to carry. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, good. I don't want to, no- <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, but God knows God for me, you know, the evidence that I have in my life is that God knows what I, God knows what I need. I don't fucking know what I need. God knows what I need. Mm-hmm. So I get pregnant. And, um, this, I'm just going to be very transparent. So I hope this doesn't trigger anybody or anything, but this is just my story. And these are just the facts. And if I don't talk exactly how I was thinking and feeling and the shit that happened, then I'll forget like who the fuck I really become when I use drugs. Okay. So I'm pregnant. I find out I'm pregnant and I'm like, obviously I'm going to have an abortion, you know, but then I go, Oh, well then I have to spend my drug money on the abortion. When the doctor literally just told me that I'm not that I'm going to miscarry. So I said, fuck it, run it. And, uh, I didn't miscarry. Mm. I did not miscarry. So I'm like six months pregnant. Okay. Using heroin. Okay. IV drug using. And then I go, Oh shit. Like, I don't think I'm going to have a miscarriage. So I go this whole time without prenatal care. I'm just running the street. So then I go, okay, look, I'm in St. Croix. It's, I'm in St. Croix, Virgin Islands. Okay. So then I call my mom and I go, look, I don't think, I think I need to come home. I'm going to have this baby. I don't know what the fuck's going on. So I fly home. I get prenatal care. I told the doctor I was on the drugs, blah, blah, blah. He's like, you need to do the methadone maintenance. I said, yeah, sure, whatever. I didn't do it. I just kept doing drugs. And I want—I remember like doing my drugs and being like, oh my God, like all the times I went to treatment and they told me all this stuff. And I'd already been to meetings and stuff by this point. And I'm like, y'all are fucking crazy up in here. I don't know what you're talking about. And, <laughs> but I could not stop. So this was like my first experience with knowing that I should stop genuinely wanting to stop because I'm fucking pregnant and I could not stop, could not stop. So I, I used to term my water broke. This is the God stuff. So obviously the baby survived my oldest son. He's 10. His name is ACE and my water breaks. I go there now in Florida. I don't know how it is up there. They do mandatory drug tests on all the women because we had like the pill mill here, like all the doctor shopping was going up. Florida was huge, especially then, you know, 10 years ago and, um, So it was an, it was like, it was something, I don't want to misquote the numbers, but it was like one in like seven or eight kids were born addicted to Oxycontin. It was like, it was like, it was out of control. It was literally out of control. So they were drug testing. They drug tested me. I failed and they called DCF and they go now I had now by this point. It was like two weeks before my due date. Two weeks before I went into labor, I had a talk with my mom. My mom was clean at this time. I'm like, I think I have a problem. She's like, Yeah, no shit. So I got <laughs> <of waiting> list. <laughs> so I got on a waiting list for for uh, for a rehab. First inpatient. First, no, no, no. First voluntary. First voluntary. So. They come in, they go, we're taking your baby from you when the baby fails, because we're going to test the baby, blah, blah, blah. And I'll never forget this lady. She's like, you're just like, you're going to be just like your mom. You're not going to do shit with your life and blah, 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 blah. And I remember being (laughs) like, yeah, I remember being like, oh my God, you're right. Like, oh my God, you're right. I'm just a fucking junkie, dude. Like, what the fuck happened to my life? So he was born. He was negative. Didn't even detox. Wow. I was detoxing so bad in the hospital. I had the dope man bringing me dope. I was shooting up after that. It was a fucking hot mess. Mm. And he was completely negative. Didn't withdraw. A miracle. A A miracle. But the lady was like, they didn't take him. So we had a conversation. I told him I was on a waiting list. So I went to treatment. That was like my first attempt at getting clean. I lasted like nine months. So I had to go out and figure all this out. Listen, I didn't have a driver's license. I didn't have a GED. I didn't have shit. I'm 22, 23 in the treatment. So I'm like, okay, maybe I should get my GED. So I get my GED. I get out, I go to my aunt. Oh, this is really important. So my mother's sister is 13 years clean. Mm-hmm. So she was like the first one in my family. My sisters aren't addicts either. So thank God. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're not addicts. They're like miracle people. Cause everyone else in my family is just fucked up it's just is what it is they're not okay so my aunt got clean and I remember her when she first got clean because she was like cool man she's like 12 years older than me she would like always be like my person like buy my alcohol and shit when I was underage she was just like yeah whatever I don't give a fuck and uh I asked her you know right when she was getting clean i was i was underage and i said yeah we need some beer and she's like no like i'm not going to do that for you anymore and i was like what you know <laughs> yeah, i was like what the fuck do you are you talking about you know she was her story's powerful man she was a street walking prostitute had a baby literally was walking the street had a baby till it came out walking the street prostitute listen it gets real fucked up but she's clean Third, that baby she gave up for adoption but she's 13 years clean now so she was clean so I went to her house and she's like you're gonna do this 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 and this and if you want to be clean this is what you have to do and all this shit and I was like okay yeah like I know don't want to shoot heroin anymore but like all that other shit like dude I'm only 23 like I don't know what you're talking about like I'm fucking probably fine <laughs> I'm fine and I was not fine. And I had to go out and I had to do more research and all that stuff. And I got pregnant with another baby and found myself in the same position. Right. Couldn't fucking get clean. So I called her, I'm like seven or eight months pregnant. And that's a big part of my story. You know, I used to term with three of my kids and then I had my youngest son in recovery. Only pregnancy that I didn't use with, it was like that opportunity because I'd never experienced that before, mm-hmm. you know? And so at this time I got clean. This was in 2012. This was July 21st, 2012. So I decided to get clean. We were going to give the baby up for adoption. I changed my mind. His name is Oliver. We had him. And then I stayed clean and I got my shit together. And, um, his dad, who's my fiance now, he's an addict too. And um, I did life really well, man. I was doing meetings, I was doing the deal, I got a job, everything was great, and all of this. And I was, um, I was so involved, man, in service, and I was just really happy for the first time in my life. But I had reservations to drink again one day, and you know, I put some time together. I, I had two and a half years clean. And I put some time together and I thought, you know what? Like, I'm fucking normal. I can drink. I know exactly why I used. I worked through all that trauma, blah, 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 blah. You know, and if I and if I'm gonna drink, you know, if it gets out of hand, like I know where to go and I know what you know. What I mean? it, it was yeah. fucking insane. It was it, so fucking insane. You know, because I really truly thought that, like, okay, if for whatever reason, I start doing drugs that I don't want to do. I'll just come back to NA and like, let me tell you, doesn't fucking work like that. Mm -hmm. Like it does not fucking work like that. So I relapsed in 2014 at the end of 2014. I lost custody of my kids. DCF got called. I got my cars repoed, totaled one car, lost my house, quit my job, crashed my fucking credit. They came and took, DCF took my kids and they're like, you need to go to court. And I was so fucking high, couldn't go to court. So instead of going to court, I just abandoned my kids. I left the fucking state. Mm-hmm. I fled the state. I got arrested, wait. I got arrested in Florida on felony drug charges, flew on those charges too, fled on those charges. And I went to Las Vegas and I'm like, I'm gonna go to Las Vegas and fucking get my shit together. <laughs> Las Vegas, like fucking the worst place on the, listen, I was out to lunch. <laughs> so I stayed in Las Vegas for a year and I got in a lot of trouble. My addiction was just the memory that I keep reverting because I got pregnant there too. And that was like, what slowed my whole fucking role is I was about the same seven months pregnant. It's like, that's like the thing. I go to jail, didn't even know I was pregnant. This is how sick I was. I didn't even know I was pregnant. I get arrested on fraud charges and counterfeiting charges. And their drug, they, they do the, they're doing the pregnancy test on the women. And I was 90 pounds. I didn't even have a stomach, you know, and they go, Oh, you're pregnant. I go, bitch. What? And go, I'm <laughs> pregnant. I say, you got the wrong, you got the wrong piss. Like that is not my shit. I am not fucking pregnant, you know? And, um, I would, did not get out. I had no bail. I had nothing. So I was in that bitch for like 35 days and I was five months pregnant. Oh my gosh. Okay. I remember I've like watched like these doctor shows and they're like, I didn't know I was pregnant. And I went to the bathroom and like, there's, I'm like, how did you not know you're pregnant? But that's how far on drugs I was. I was five months pregnant, you know? And, um, I remember feeling maybe like a little bit of movement, you you know, before I went to jail, but I thought I was just hallucinating. Like, I thought I was just high because I was like smoking meth and shit. So I was up for like days and days and days. I'm like, oh, I'm just tripping. I need to go to bed you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, I was like in there, I'm like, okay, you know what? This is what I needed. I needed to come to jail. I'm fucking going to get clean. I called my mom. My aunt had my one son and she was like, yeah, no bitch. Like you're not talking to your kid. Like you've done fucking, you've been MIA for two years. They haven't even heard from you. Now you're calling me from jet two years. I went by.
0: Mm.
2: And like, it kept me using out there. Cause I'm like, okay. Like, yeah, my mom would abandon us for like a couple days, but like years, mm-hmm. It's interesting year. how
0: you talk about the generational trauma, you know, and generationally how actually each gener- it, it progresses. Like even you, it's not a couple of days anymore. Now you've moved into a couple of years in this next, um, yeah,
2: you've taken Yeah, the, like from my, my grandparents, yeah, what's to high function alcoholics to crack to, I mean, it is, it's the progression, right? Mm-hmm. So here, I don't want to take up too much time. Yeah. So let me speed this up. Yeah. So I get out, so I'm like, okay, I know what to do. I've, I'm stopped, right? So I'm stopped. I know what to do. So I'm feeling good. I'm connecting to God. I get out on house arrest. And I remember the per so Penny, that's my daughter was pregnant with my daughter Penelope and who is literally, I should, she is just go on my Instagram. She is like an, she's an angel from God. Okay. I'm telling you, she's an angel from God. And so i'm like i'm gonna do this thing and i was telling penny's dad i'm like dude i need to do meetings and he's like i don't know what you're talking about and i'm like i know what i'm talking about dude like if i don't go to meetings like it's a fucking over it's like not gonna last but i was on the house arrest and all that stuff and um they didn't want to listen to me i they didn't want to listen to me i didn't have a car i didn't have shit i'm in the fucking desert you know, and they, they, we didn't have no zoom stuff. This was in 2016, you know, so, <laughs> there was none of that. It's like, you're going to be fine. You need to just be here and not leave the house. You need to just be here and just, you know, your party's over. And I'm like, huh, okay, bitch, I guess you don't know me. So uh, it happened. I just got the thing, you know, and I'm like, I'm going to go to the grocery store, I went to the grocery store, cut off my fucking house arrest bracelet. i mm. like the wind. And I ran like that for probably six weeks. So, I have four kids, so I have Asen, who has a different dad, and then I have Oliver, who's my fiance's fathered him when we both relapsed. Because we both relapsed, we split, and then I had Penelope, and then we got back together, and I had all, and I had, and then we had Theo. Mm-hmm. So, my oldest son's dad is an addict too, and he died. He overdosed mm-hmm. the day before I got clean. That's what got me clean. That was like that was it. I remember walking. It was just so fucked up. I remember walking homeless in Las Vegas after I cut my house arrest bracelet off and I was tweaking for the weekend and I'm walking is for real. I was walking down the street fucking homeless thinking, like I just wanna go home. But like I had no home. And not only did I have no home, like I was clear across the fucking country. Like literally Florida to Las Vegas, it's like you're by Felicia. So I was just like praying to God, 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 please get me out of this mess. Please get me out of this mess. Please get me out of this mess. So I did what I did. I came up on a little place to stay. So I'm in my room and then I turn my phone on and I get the call about Kyle's name was Kyle. And he's like, my dad overdosed his old. So his oldest son, he has two sons from me. And then his previous marriage. And he's like, my dad overdosed, please take care of Asin and i knew at that point that he was gone right so then i called my mom my mom had bought me like three tickets up on this point because i was like ready to come home like all these times and then by the time it was time for me to get on the plane or the greyhound bus like it was i changed my mind so i did i got clean so i got clean so my clean date's august 27th 2016 and i came home to do the funeral and um i ran on my warrants in las vegas i had um, just to tell you, like it does just to show you, like, it doesn't matter what happens in your past. You can really overcome it. So my charges were, um, counterfeiting utensils with a lab, attempt forgery, a credit card forgery and tampering with state evidence or whatever. Cause I cut off the bracelet, right? Mm-hmm. So I came back to Florida and I'm hi- ducking and hiding, right? Cause so I got penalty for in and I fucking right on. from when I went to Vegas. So anyways, I get caught up. I stay clean, right? I get caught up. I'm probably like, so I'm seven months pregnant. I was like, maybe 90 days, not even, what am I talking about? Like 60 days, 60 days clean. I get arrested. I had Penelope in jail, Mm. literally had her in jail, but I went and got out on probation, you know, but I knew everything that I had learned from being clean before I... I didn't lose any of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know? And I was so afraid that like, oh my god, like I like I'm starting all over from scratch and even though I was like getting clean, like I just had to go, "Okay, look, bitch, you relapsed, you did what you did, like it's fucking it just is what it is." But I had this epiphany and this is and this is what I still hold on to to this day is when Kyle died. I had this epiphany that if I didn't get clean, I was going to die. Mm -hmm. And then I would, I, my children would be motherless. Mm -hmm. You you had the
0: desperate desperation and, you know, coming from, you know, the part of your story, which is really important because for me, I sobered up that, that same age at 22 and a half, three. And I, you get to that point, you get a life back, you get it back so freaking quick, Mm -hmm. right. And you're rocking and rolling and being at that age, like I too was like, oh man, things, I'm, I'm good. Like I've got, you know, all my childhood trauma, I've gone to counseling, all that shit. I, I'm, I'm good. Like I, I actually didn't sit there and say I wasn't necessarily an alcoholic, but I basically was thinking that like these people are all got it wrong. Like you people are sitting in <laughs> here for how many fucking years? Like, no, thanks. I see you later. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so many stopped doing what they did when they came in because really, really, I didn't understand what true the disease of alcoholism and addiction is because it is a disease. disease, It doesn't go away. Even though they told me that I didn't really understand that. I just figured that I was, um, all those old behaviors come in and how many people do do what you're, I thank you for coming back because thank goodness Mm -hmm. I learned to listen to all those stories of the people leaving and how many people are coming back in their stories. Luckily, I was i was told that was one tip that was drilled into me, is listen to the new person and the most importantly is the person coming back. Mm-hmm. And the story, you're right, they don't lose it, but the story gets so much worse. So I was terrified of losing the life that I had, you know? Do you know what I mean? It like, was horrific, yeah, but yeah. I have that ego that tells yeah. me that like, yeah, you're yeah,
2: fucking fine. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. And I genuinely believe that. And that's, that is what's so important, you know, and I had to have that relapse and I'm so grateful for that relapse because let me tell you. Like, was it bad when I got clean the first time? Fuck yeah, it was terrible. But this was like on a whole nother level, you know? So I know without it, because I went, it, I, I didn't, listen, I didn't have two and a half years ago, go, oh, I think I'm going to just relapse. I think I'm good. No, it. I talked, it took me nine months. I talked about drinking for nine months before I fucking picked up. Mm-hmm. And then I did. And it, and I, like I get the chills. I did it. And I didn't even pick up drugs first. It was my drink. I picked it up and I knew instant, instantly, instantly. I was like, Oh, this was not a good idea. It was like, (laughs) it was like, and I couldn't turn it off. It was like that same and nothing had even happened yet, you know, but I knew as soon as I did it, I said, this was fucking no, 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 no. That's the part you said terrified me the most of going back out
0: and hearing that story. Like you go and have that drink. There's one time I drank, that I drank and drank and drank and drank and drank and drank it didn't matter how much I drank I couldn't get drunk. And hearing that story used to terrify me going, "Oh my god, if I picked up." And I definitely thought about that, trust me. I th- terrified me if I went out and I wouldn't have gotten that really cool high and drunk that I was thinking about. That's what kept me clean. Thank God. Over and over again like you and thank you because like, honestly, I really believe in every relapse mm-hmm. if people are coming back sharing this story because Um, the reason why I'm sitting here sober and not a relapser is because of stories like yours Mm -hmm. like it's so important to hear that because my my mind continues to tell me that "Eh, maybe
1: yeah I think we can learn in two ways we either fuck it up (laughs) and and learn the lesson or we learn from other people fucking it up and like the easier way is to learn from other people but I found my own, own experience like I have to make those mistakes sometimes just to know for sure in reality without a shadow of a doubt this is not what I want in my life mm-hmm. and I'm very fortunate I haven't had to relapse yet since I've started a recovery program I've definitely had relapses trying it on my own before mm-hmm.
0: um, I've had but relapses yeah. in other addictions don't get me wrong yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's shopping there's sex there's gambling there's you know yeah. all the other all the other you know all the other A's trust me hello 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 <laughs> But um yeah that can get you just as sick trust me. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah and I and I try to use that as a as a lesson in my own life because it's not just with the drugs that like I listen I I have to learn the hard way every way every in every little thing. I'm like cuz I'm like a I'm like a bull in a china shop. That's what I've been told. Like I'm like you know which it can be it can I can use that to my advantage, you know, especially being an entrepreneur and things like that like I yeah. you have to have like that just like I, no fear type of shit you know mm-hmm. you know but I have to step back and go okay listen like I don't have all the answers all the time like look what happened you know before and all this stuff so you know I'm, I'm grateful for that now because it's like something that I always have to look back on you know but um since I've been clean man like and it's really cool because it's for being because I wasn't a felon before all this before that relapse I had a few misdemeanors, you know what I'm saying? Cause I had my felony when I was, a, when I was a juvenile, but it was like withheld. And like, you know, that, that shit right there. <laughs> oh, you're good. You know? Um, but it's really forced me to like step outside of my comfort zone, you know, because I don't, you know, it's like one thing when you have drug charges, it's like, oh, you're a drug addict, but like, no, like I have like counterfeit and like fraud and like money charges and my background before i became a business owner um was sales sales and marketing you know so i'm dealing with people's money so people look at me those charges and they go yeah bitch, you're beat like no fucking way, you know, like, you know, because you know, so I'm like, okay, so what am I going to do, you know, and, and you know what I've had to listen, because I had to go when I, when I came back to Florida, I had to do the, the jail thing, obviously, and then I, I was trying to fight back for custody of my kids, because I thought I'd lost my rights. And I went down to the courthouse, and I said, You know, I don't know if I lost my rights, it's been a couple years, you know, um, but I'm clean now, you know, what can I do? And she pulled it up. She's like, no, you didn't lose your rights. You just have to complete your case plan and petition the court to reopen the case. And I sat there. And just, I was in the clerk of the court and I just like sat, I started crying. I'm like, oh my God, like I did not lose my rights. Like how did I not lose my fucking rights? Mm-hmm. And they're like, girl, you did not lose your rights. And I'm like, <laughs> oh shit, you know? But I had these felonies hanging over my head from another, say I'm a fugitive for Christ's sakes. <laughs> and the only reason they didn't extradite me when I got arrested is because I was pregnant as fuck. Mm-hmm. So they said, no, we can't extradite you. You're gonna have a baby any minute. And I did in the jail. You know and thank god for all of that thank god you know because for me there is because my disease will tell me even through all that stuff that like do you are you really sick like yeah <laughs> Like, I'm fucking really sick, you know? And so I'm really grateful for that, you know, and-, uh, and it
0: continues. It can continue. Just it, an FYI for someone who's been around for a few years. Yes. It can, it can continue, you know, like there's no way I that it- it's-
2: longer you stay clean, right, is when it becomes a danger zone because you have so much of like evidence that like you can be normal.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: You know, I know that's what my disease will tell me is that like my disease will never tell me go smoke crack or go shoot some heroin. It will always tell me to like have a glass of wine. Always. Mm-hmm. Not even weed. Always have a have a beer, have a glass of wine. And like that's not my problem. I have one beer and I'm like calling the crack person. You yeah. know. <laughs> like that's where I I'm straight to the drugs, you know, but Yeah. Um, It was a fight, you know, and my higher power saw fit for me to have to really fight when I got clean this time, you know, nothing was handed to me. Not my kids, not money, not, I mean, I came here pregnant, fugitive, no cell phone, no nothing but the clothes that I was wearing and literally that's it. I had to rebuild my in whole, I was living in my mother's house where she even had my mother I mean okay when I say my mother was clean like she's not smoking crack like she mm-hmm. drinks and like whatever right so she's a high functioning until she starts smoking crack and then it's over it's over mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. over you know and um benzo is a really hard thing for me and she's prescribed like every benzo on the planet mm-hmm. you know and And I knew that was a risk, but I was totally homeless. I had nowhere to go, you know. And um, so so going
0: from there and now in recovery, take us to the recovery line. Like what part and when in your recovery program um, and you've got obviously back together with Ashley, you obviously reconciled with her or continued the relationship. And now you guys kind of came. We want to really get to this recovery apparel line, which you're doing today. Which we were talking before we went live in regards to the, you know, like be confident with who you are and your style. I just love that part, and that's what attracted uh, I us. I love to- it too.
2: <laughs> so it wasn't planned. It was more of a God thing, right? So the apparel line is new. So we had this idea. I had the idea, really. In um, and, and it kind of, kind of spurred from quarantine. So for us, the quarantine was kind of a blessing. You know, um, I had a real opportunity to be really creative in the quarantine. So um, we started the little Facebook thing and we were, we, you know, started doing our lives and stuff on Facebook. And um, I said, what if we do merch? And she's like, what are you talking about? You know, I said, what if we just do like a recovery line, you know, because I was looking for merch and I didn't really see anything that like I wanted, you know, that I like was like. I'm like, I wanted something young and current and something a little subtle, but it was still like if you're in recovery, you're no, you know, like this. You yeah. know? Yeah. You know, not like my sponsor will kick your ass. Like, <laughs> you know? like my sponsor will beat up your sponsor. You know, which those are great. You know what I mean? Like those are great. Those are all great and everything like that, but we kind of wanted to do something, um, something. Uh, Let me see how I can explain this because it's getting clean, especially there's a where I'm from in Florida. We have a ton of rehab. So there's a ton of people from all over the country that come here to get clean and a lot of young people Come here to get clean. And so it's to create the idea that getting clean is a lifestyle and it's like a and it's fun. Like we have fun in recovery and to like really share that message, you know, especially with people that are new into recovery because right. I think everybody can relate that like, Oh, I'm going to get clean. Then what am I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like for so some true. reason we connect that like getting clean means that like the party's over and like, you're going to just, you know, do nothing, you know, yeah. Yeah. but it's the complete opposite, you know, and what getting clean for me has done, you know, is I'm, I've discovered myself, discovered new talents, picked up old, old. St- habits and stuff that I've like just rediscovering myself in the zest that I have for life, you know, and, that so that's really like where the design and all that comes from it's like fresh and vivid and fun and like this is cool because recovery is cool (laughs) recovery is cool
0: (laughs) damn right it is I sobered up at your age at 23 and I swear if it was not cool I would not be sitting here almost three decades I'm telling you right freaking now you know (laughs) this is a chick that didn't even think she had a problem you know like I it was I was a party girl come on now everybody does crazy shit so um but yeah, I I was told at the very beginning, if I do not find fun in my recovery program,
2: I'm as good as dead. Mm-hmm. And uh yes. that
0: it's it's truth. You know, it's so and, true. Yeah. You know,
2: so we we so kind of wanna, you know, we kinda want to be the face of like, because here is here this is this is something that I know to be true. Is if you see me, your first thought isn't like heroin addict Excel and crackhead. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's not, but, but that's, but that's who I am in addiction, you know? And it's like, no, like you can transform. You can be who God intended you to be. You can, you can still come back to life. Mm -hmm. You know, you can come back to life and it's just, I'm just so passionate about, and the, when you say finding your purpose and I'm, I feel like I'm just like there now, you know, because I thought, that oh my purpose is to just get clean and like raise my kids and like you know do my business thing with my fiance because we own a tree service and you know do that and it's like oh no like I had this something in me that was like share your story share your recovery you know and and I'm very creative and so all the designs and stuff like that is I do all of that that's me right Mm -hmm. and um And I'm like, oh, I really, I'm very passionate about it. You know, and this line is like my baby and I'm like very passionate about it. And I'm like the, the, the mess, what this represents is like life. It represents life y'all. Like, because when you're, you know, when you're, when you're using your dead person walking, Mm -hmm. you know, and so to be able to represent and, and, and stand up for, for, you know, I'm just so passionate about it, you know, because without recovery, I wouldn't be living my purpose. And so I'm finding now that I've gone through everything from, from a a young child, all that trauma was for this moment was Mm -hmm. to say, Hey, I went through all that trauma and like, I was born again. And like, I'm, I'm here living a whole new life regardless, regardless of any of that stuff, it doesn't matter. Like you can still step into who God intended you to be Mm -hmm. and like be a light.
1: Yeah. And what an important time to show up and to wear your recovery out loud and talk about it. Cause I think like in, in BC here, we've had more overdoses in the last two months than COVID has killed in the last six months or five months, however it's been going like it's insane. And it's, that's just overdoses. Epidemic. That's
0: not even the alcohol yeah. deaths. That's not the suicide deaths based on on drug addiction and alcoholism. So just overdoses. Yeah, um, and I think and people just need
1: us. They need people to show up online. That's where mm-hmm. everyone is right now. Like, we yeah. need
0: to be here telling these stories
1: and okay. showing people there's a fucking life mm-hmm. outside of addiction. And it's it's so beautiful. Like, just the quitting drinking alone would be an incredible miracle for me. And, and drugs and all the other things I was doing <laughs> but like the way I feel about myself today and the hope I have even when things are so so shitty like I would just I no one could have told me that was even possible to me I wouldn't have believed you mm-hmm. and like I've gotten even more than that in my life today and we're getting to share our stories like in such a cool way I get to be creative and do all the things like all these weird talents God gave me are be, being used now. And like, yeah. yeah, even the drama class they used to take as a kid now are showing up on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just like, don't I'm so excited it. to see other sober creators out there like pumping this out because for every like mummy drinking a glass of wine and making that look cool on Instagram, I want to see like 10 sober moms like saying, you don't have to do that to like parent don't your kids. do
2: get started on yeah. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, nothing's cute about like being drunk when you have like a toddler right there. Like that's not. Yeah. No.
0: Yeah. And I mean that's that's what that's exactly it. I came on uh because I've kind of been one I've recovered out loud with anybody that's around me. Anybody that knows me in my recovery program, I will stand on top of a rooftop and tell you I'm an alcoholic and I'm proud of it. However, coming out on social media is something very new. I mean, I've been here since face you know, Facebook birth around 2007 and I was sober Um, but that's why I want to come out and do what we've been doing because I want to show the young ones by saying hey fuck (laughs) here's three decades man I am one happy recovering alcoholic still and right when you think that your life is gonna can't possibly get better than this pink cloud right here right now I promise you from my own experience that it will like if you think of your best time, your best day, your best moment, sober, where you are right now, if you think that you can't get better than that, I'm here to let tell you, you will feel better. It will get better. It's like I got goosebumps saying it because um, I, I i always realized before every miracle, every goosebump, joy, unicorn thing I put on TikTok. Like that, <laughs> <laughs> You know, just before those moments are always painstaking, it's always tough. It's always like you want to fucking quit, screw this shit, fuck him, fuck her, all of that. If you just push past without picking up, just hold on. That's when your miracle's happening. It's almost like your addiction knows how good you're going to feel and doesn't want you to feel that great high of life. So it's going to throw every shit at you, everything, everything. And, you know, and that's from everything in my recovery has done that. And I push past that pain just like a labor (laughs) Labor (laughs) pain. And, uh, yeah, so it gets better, folks. Anybody that's listening for yourself, like – You know, um, yeah, that's why I've come out loud because that message also has to be. Yeah, you should see her
1: freaking house, man! Like, (laughs) they they told me when I came in to like look for people who have what you want, and I walked into her house for like a women's meeting. I opened the door. I'm like, this is it. (laughs) (laughs) This is what I want.
2: (laughs) Give it to me. (laughs) I think we can accomplish, man. I've I've always thought, even an active addiction, because I would meet some of the most brilliant, talented people. And I'm like, oh dude, like this is a spiritual warfare to like dim the light of addicts, dude. Because I don't know one person that's an addict that doesn't have something incredible to offer. I just don't. Amen. Absolutely, and that's exactly what per- seek
0: purpose is all about, and why I felt so passionate about getting on this 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 the social media to be able to spread messages, to hear your stories, to hear mm-hmm. all the other people's stories, because every, behind every addict alcoholic is a brilliant, beautiful piece of creature that god created perfectly like not unflawed unflawed and that's what we need to do more of is grasp onto what you're doing to be able to show the world of what you know the creator really wanted us to be
2: Mm -hmm. you know
0: is amazing people that's who we are that's the truth of who we really are The truth,
2: yeah right and it's like it's tapping into that or even finding it right because i know for me i i I, I always had a sense of purpose, but I never knew what it was. And then I was like, okay, well, just whatever. It's just trash, you know, but giving myself the opportunity to to get clean and stay clean because when I got clean this last time, I could have easily just been like, fuck it. You know, like I've, I've already burned it to the ground. It's a fucking, it's already a wrap. I'm a felon now all over the state. Like I'm never going to be able to amount to anything, you know, um, but unfortunately for me, it took the death, you know, my, of my oldest son's father for me to go, okay, no, no, to know like I have to try like I have Mm. to try and it was the best decision that I ever made and my life now I'll have four years next month and my life is better now than I like I thought like my first year I was like oh life is great and then like the second year (laughs) life is Great. And then the third year, I was like, oh, you know, and obviously I've had my hardships and things like that. And I'm still fighting for custody of my second oldest son. We're, we're rounding up on that. So hopefully he'll come home. And if if they and if they don't send him home, I'm going to appeal it. So that's just another thing, you know. And uh, but I've accepted that, you know, God's plan for my life. And if And if it's not revealed, like I have to just be patient, like I don't always have to make rash decisions, you know. I'm a very impatient person so I don't- <laughs> I <don't know>. no <laughs> is to like learn patience what I'm an so addict important. alcoholic
0: is it man that's why i got high man yeah. we been like give me the freaking line because i can get high right now and then yeah. now our recovery program is like i went and did that step where's my fucking high yeah. <laughs> but Just it's so patient. important for that, that doesn't change sadly
2: yeah but it's so important for me to stay connected to my support group and stay connected to god because when i disconnect especially to to god man my higher power which i choose to call god You know, when I disconnect, like that's my lifeline that keeps me like focused and like grounded, you know. Mm -hmm. And if, and if I stray away from like seeking, always seeking guidance, because if I'm not seeking guidance, like I'm not in a good place, man. I'm not in a good place. And, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to have peace in my spirit, you know, and like that's the ultimate goal, right? Is to Mm -hmm. be completely full of peace and full of purpose and like walking in God's will for my life. And, you know, and I'm, and I'm in a place now where I'm like, okay, you know what? Like I have a much bigger purpose here, you know, and it's really important for me to be authentic and be who I am and share the hope. Cause it's a hope story, man. It's hope. Yeah. yeah. It's Amen. hope. Yeah,
0: totally. Actually, I think the hardest thing that I've discovered, you know, and recovery is really about being comfortable in the waiting room of what and that's that's the most difficult is feeling waiting yeah. <laughs> and just continuing to put one foot in front of the other and still do the do of what's necessary uh because we do get impatient it's just like you know start tapping i mean i'm adhd on the best you know on the worst <laughs> but, yeah and that is but that's what recovery is long term is getting comfortable in the waiting room and just mm-hmm. knowing and trusting that no matter what things are all for the higher purpose and all for good
2: all for the all for
0: good all the time
2: all the time it's like how self-consumed I can get you know how self-consumed am I because it's not about me (laughs) yeah
1: exactly it's
2: not like and I have to go it's not about you like you're not here for you you're here to you know for God to use you for his purpose and I'm like oh okay (laughs) you know and and it's just so crazy and I always say like addicts are just such crybabies like wow like life, I feel my feelings. So like, I have to like basically kill myself over it. (laughs) You know, it is, it's like, just calm down. Everything (laughs) passes. That's important. You know, if anybody's listening, you know, feelings pass, man, your situation, your circumstance will pass. I know what's helped me is to always try to identify the solution. Like, yeah, I might be in a set of circumstances that I'm very uncomfortable in, or life might be happening to me, shit's happening that I don't fucking vibe with. <laughs> but, but, like, how can I stay solution based? You know, what am I in control of? Mm-hmm. It's really important. What am I in control of with this circumstance or in this moment? And if if it's a circumstance that I have no control over, then I can disconnect and give it away, give it to God. Like, okay, there's nothing, because I will obsess and get psycho. Oh
1: my gosh, yeah. Yeah, I'm a fixer. I want to fix everything. I want to fix me. I want to fix you. I want to fix my my family. (laughs) I just want to get in there and like, I I, I know the
0: answer. (laughs) I don't know. I just sit back and watch the fireworks, man. God does a good enough job. I... It's so much more easier just letting it go.
2: (laughs) Learn to let it go. It's a relief, you know? Yeah, Yeah, it is. It's hard, though. It takes a lot of work and practice. Yeah,
1: yeah. I noticed that when I'm not centered, when I'm not feeling that spiritual connection, like when all of the COVID stuff happened and everything kind of went up in the air, I went to like, I need to fix this. I need to clean everything. No one's allowed to leave the house. Like, I went completely psycho there for a bit, trying to like manage my entire life
2: have you like
1: identified where that control comes from yeah well I had a very unstable uncontrollable childhood so I was in I was the oldest just like you taking care of my little siblings and you know I was I, everything was on my shoulders if I didn't do it they wouldn't eat they wouldn't go to school they wouldn't be dressed you know it was all on my shoulders so I've carried that into my life today and it's it comes out when I'm feeling
0: scared or insecure That's or whatever mm-hmm. yeah yeah, I'm really glad that, um, you know, we got platforms like this, that we're able to exper- you know, share our stories out loud. I think it's important. I sit there and think out of everything, it kind of making sense. Now you think of all the stories and all of what we've gone through, I'm sitting there thinking, so what I went through, it was just for me to kind of work through, talk to a counselor, you know, be a better mom, which is great. But to be able to share your experience, even with the with the mom at the soccer field, regardless if they're in recovery or not, to be able to be really loud and proud um, in those types of situations is where, you know, the gifts really come in, in recovery. Um, the more we do this, the more, oh, sorry. <laughs> the more we do this, the more you're doing what you guys are doing with this recovery, where, and I'm sure there's more that's gonna come, like I've got goosebumps oh, yeah. just thinking about what God's gonna do with you guys. Uh, if you guys have not checked out this line, yeah. um, you're already sporting a couple of pieces here, but yes. uh, which is phenomenal. And I'm excited to be, uh, walking with you guys on this journey too, to keep, you know, having you guys come back. So we want Ashley to come yeah. back to share her story. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You and- guys
0: are awesome together. So tell our audience where they can come
1: find you and watch you guys. Oh, Do you hear yes. TikTok, oh, Instagram, all of it? Yes.
2: Yeah. So you can find us on Instagram. So it's a universal handle recovery, life apparel spelt, just like how it sounds on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. Um also our website is recoverylifeapparel.com and if you guys want 10% off of your purchase you can use the promo code live10. So live10. Right. On. Yes.
0: Awesome.
2: Oh I can't gosh. wait
1: to get my shirt I'm going to be wearing it for hopefully. I can't like, wait yeah. either.
2: We're already getting their stuff from over the weekend. We launched and like since there was so much like marketing up till we, the launch it was like people just started and I'm like Wow, it's God, man. And now yeah. people are putting a tag on TikTok, and it's so cool to see so, like other addicts, like, in, and, and I'm like, oh, yes, like, yes, you're clean. Like, thank you for staying clean. Like, yes. Yeah. It's oh,
0: that's beautiful. so awesome. I
2: know. I just,
0: this is just, I love it. I love it to be able to be talking to somebody in Florida. Oh, yeah. I know. When
2: well, she said, I'm in Canada, I said, Oh my god, that's so cool. I told Ashley said, Oh my god, I can't ever be doing a podcast in Canada. It's so cool. Yeah. I know. So I
0: this, it. Everything that happens, even in the world, like COVID, how you know, look what it's done. Yeah. All the good, the silver lining of yes. what's happening in our recovery community. I mean, it's insane mm-hmm. how many people, I mean, I've seen people sober up coming on Zoom meetings that just blows my mind. And I, I was actually had one of them coming to a real live meeting and they're all like, <laughs> <laughs> they're so comfortable on Zoom. Meanwhile, all of us even used to, you know, being in person is just like coming to Zooms going, I don't know. I don't like this stuff. Who's looking? Who's on the screen? Right. Um, but yeah, pretty powerful stuff. Yeah.
2: Really well, good. I really appreciate you guys having me. It's such an honor, and I love what you're doing too. You guys are amazing, and like it's just, it's just, it's, a, it's beautiful, man. It's so cool, and I'm looking forward to um, our future together, our yeah, friendship. Definitely. Oh,
1: Ashley's on here. She just posted the link, so if you guys want to go check it out, oh, it's in geez, the comments. hey, Ashley. <laughs>
0: hey, Ashley. Thanks for doing that. We're trying to get used to the the the, the line of comments, and yeah. yeah, I'm not used to that stuff yet. We're just couple of moms trying to figure this stuff out right? <laughs> <laughs> with fancy pillows yeah go to go to Groupon
2: 9.99 for 3 <laughs> hey, that's your deal she's looking for pillows yeah nice. yeah Groupon yeah. Groupon She's man she does yeah. not play. She keeps me in line. I'm like, like I told you, I'm like this, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, yo, bitch, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> we, we balance each other well.
1: Yeah. yeah that's we so amazing. Yeah. yeah I'd love important. to have you guys both come on. Cause I think talking about uh, having a business in recovery is like a, a part of recovery that doesn't get talked about in meetings so it'd be really yeah. awesome to talk about that relationship and how it grows and changes
0: and yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and i love the idea that the partnership you know the partnership's so important because we learn that it's so difficult to be alone right mm-hmm. and together we can right and that's uh, can. you Mm -hmm. betcha yeah and you guys you guys are doing it so awesome i wish we had another hour yeah me too i know i
2: loved it i was a little nervous but then i got on with you guys i said oh it's gonna be fine yeah Yeah. it's so easy to be to talk you're like you have a gift oh gosh thank you
1: you don't even know how easy i can get
0: thank you and thanks for taking the time and we will for sure be staying connected absolutely okay thank you Love guys you. so
2: much okay, all right bye, bye. facebook
0: bye.
2: bye bye thank you guys
1: so much for listening to this episode we are thrilled to have you as a part of this community and we are really trying to grow and reach more people so there's a lot of ways you can get involved um One is going to our website. There's some really great resources there. Yes. And the most exciting part is checking out those GIFs. Or what do you call them? GIFs. I call them GIFs. You call them GIFs, whatever. Tomato, tomato.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So when you're actually enjoying your sober life and you're going and you're posting on your Instagram, please just go to Seek Purpose and check them all out and tag us. I want to see what you guys are doing out there in sober life. Yeah, we also
1: have filters, actually, we've been putting out as well. There's so much you can do um, through social media with Seek Purpose, like like, comment, share, all of our posts, really get involved with this community. There's so much help out there for you and so much connection here we've been finding.
0: Yeah, and, you know, the one thing that we have learned in recovery is asking for help. So we're going to ask for help and just become a patron Mm -hmm. and come help be a part of this community and help it grow. And uh, we'd love to have you. If you want to become a patron, we have a link on our website that you can click. And
1: there's some really cool perks of becoming a patron with Seek Purpose. So we hope you check that out. And obviously, if you review this podcast and whatever podcasting app you're listening to, it's going to help us reach more ears and get that message out of recovery.
0: Mm -hmm. Stay tuned. We have so much more in store. And uh, as our our little community grows, our collective... There's exciting things that are happening that are coming out uh, that we can't wait for you to be involved with. So stay tuned and uh, stay connected.